happy Wednesday, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Transportation and Logistics Podcast, powered by Atlanta Dispatch and Humblebee Enterprises. I'm very excited to be here with my brother. Uh, we have Christopher Mullins, who is doing a lot of stuff in logistics, and we're going to get there momentarily. But before we begin, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Dispatcher's Guide to the Galaxy, which is available as an ebook and a physical book. And you can acquire your copy online from barnesandnoble.com or Amazon or any of those places. And if you're into the ebook space, you can get that bad boy on Apple. Well, look, without further ado, Chris, my brother and fellow Georgia State alum, how's everything going? Jory, good, sir. Thank you for having me on this evening. I appreciate it. Yeah, no doubt, brother, no doubt. And again, I appreciate you for being here. Uh, I've been hosting these bad boys here on Clubhouse for about three years, and we've been talking about transportation and logistics. We covered the corporate world. We covered uh, entrepreneurship and anything from being about this world in college. Georgia State University is known for it being a business school. I think when I was there, it was a top 25 program, and the information systems program was top 10 to do all the things that you're currently doing because like i said this is a this is a little bit unique the title is dual service brother you're you're servicing the corporate and government world and the third part is potentially how what you've experienced can impact our listenership and what they have going on folks who are really specialized in the transportation and logistics space uh maybe in the corporate world maybe there's some crossover for them to also service the government in certain ways so that's kind of how i want to go through this interview and you know i guess to kick it off what do you have going on right now give us the overview of your current engagements definitely so uh full-time private sector uh, I'm currently a regional manager uh, for Amazon Logistics, so that's in the last mile space. So if you think about when you're ordering a package in Amazon, um, you click purchase, right? It sits at a fulfillment center, um, then from the fulfillment center to a sortation center uh, where it gets parsed out to a delivery station and then, you know, on a van to your home. So that last mile from the delivery station to your home uh, I'm currently over the DMV region, and uh, I work with operational counterparts to make sure you get your package on time, uh, mitigating risk and things of that nature. But I, I've been with Amazon for eight years. Uh, they recruited me in 2015 to be the program manager of transportation. Uh, we built out that organic uh, line haul operation from scratch. We were tasked by our senior leadership to scale to the size of UPS and FedEx uh, in a, in an amount of three years when it took those companies a hundred and, and we actually did that. So, um, Amazon's home right now for, uh, my, my primary role. I'm also a reserve Naval officer. Um, at this present moment, I am on the joint staff uh, at the Pentagon in the logistics directorate under, uh, Lieutenant General Kaczynski. Uh, he's the director for logistics, which is J4. Uh, and we pretty much manage the entire joint logistics enterprise uh, for the entire DOD, right? So we're aggregating all the services, all of the combatant commanders, and all the interagencies when it comes to logistics for the entire DOD. Um, so those are my two-pronged positions at this point. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much okay, it. Okay, well, bet, bet, bet. Let's, let's jump into both of those, right? Because 
everybody and their daddy, their granddaddy know about Amazon at this point, man. What was it like for you taking that experience that you had to, I guess, scale Amazon to what we know it as the household brand it is today? I mean, because again, the pandemic came through and everybody learned how to use Amazon's prime shipping if they had not known before. So in 2015, my first week was when that uh, New York Times article came out about, you know, the work-life balance and the and the workplace culture. And everyone was sitting in class like, oh, no, did we make the right choice? But Amazon's a game changer when it comes to the company culture, which is why I've been there for eight years. Like the way we use the leadership principles to disrupt industry, no matter what you're doing. Uh, it's it's a game changer in terms of getting the yes, focusing on your customers, uh, singing around corners. Uh, it's the only company I've worked for that allows you to come up with a new idea, you know, write a white paper, and your sponsors and senior leaderships actually read it and let you go to like creating it and building it from start to finish, right? And you get to see your final product, and that's what I really love about it. And that mind frame assisted me. You know, once I got my, you know, commission into the Navy, even though I got my commission before I got to Amazon, it helped me to uh, operate leaps and bounds uh, above my peers and people who were, you know, senior ranking to me just from that thought process. It comes outside of that bureaucratic mindset and that, uh, you know, very structured step by step you you think outside the box you think big and you come up with ways to get things done and senior leaders at the you know gofo geo you know general flag officer level uh they like that when you're delivering results on behalf of who you support they they love that so um the amazon culture enabled me to be able to do that in the navy you know on deployments and you know for amazon customers over the last eight years Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it seems as though you've had the opportunity to kind of change your role within Amazon African-American Forum. And I heard that the Black Employee Network there at Amazon is top tier. Have you had any experiences with the group? (laughs) I actually have. So when I was in Atlanta, I got my first experience uh, with Ben Atlanta. And uh, I was the uh, deputy director of professional development under uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Jeremy Robinson, who's still with the company. Uh, When I moved here to D.C., I am now the director of the Ben DMV chapter professional development. Uh, And we we do everything talking about mentorship, um, how to become a bar raiser, which are the people who ensure we... uh, attract and onboard the right caliber of individual to the company. Um, different different things that we all experience as being minorities within a, a, a large organization um, to make sure people get the best fulfillment out of their roles while at the company. So uh, I've been doing that for about a year now here in the DMV area. And it's, it's a very good networking organization because you don't know who you're talking to who could be your next boss uh, and support you. Uh, in your progression in your career at any organization. But um, Ben is a very active uh, ERG within Amazon and in the community. So yeah, I've had some some good uh, experiences with our uh, employee resource group. That's awesome to hear, brother. And you mentioned also being commissioned before you had your start with Amazon. We're definitely going to get into the military aspect of what you have going on. 
but you did drop one of your current positions or one of your current engagements. And we've talking about what you currently have going on, but how did you get here? You know what I mean? You said that you started working for UPS way back in the day. That's how you got your start in understanding parcel. Uh, let's walk through, you know, how you actually got here to these current roles. How do you stack those skills? Uh, what experiences you actually had to be able to get exposed to the certain skills that you would need to be the regional loss prevention manager for Amazon or the directorate of logistics for the joint staff. My bad. Any, other, any other questions on that? <laughs> no, proceed. <laughs> then I uh, transitioned to uh, the railroad, right? So CSX was hiring like right at the tail end of the recession. So I got to be a train master. Uh, if anyone knows what that is, if you've seen um, Unstoppable with, um, what's my man's name? Denzel Washington. Um, pretty much the train master is a senior management official on the railroad, like you manage all the conductors and the engineers, and you have a territory where you're ensuring that, you know, everything's running smoothly on the rail, on the line of road, and, you know, there's no derailments, and you're, you're coordinating with FRA agents, and you're learning everything, because what most people don't realize, everything that can't go legally over the road has to go on the rail. So we're talking most of your more, you know, dangerous hazmats, you know, nuclear waste, things that people don't know are rolling past their backyards are all going on the rail. So that was a really good experience to understand, you know, the other modes of transportation that get things across the country, right? Like you wouldn't realize how you get your orange juice in the morning, but it, it all rolls on the Tropicana train, right? From <laughs> New York, all your orange coming on the train from Florida. And you, you just don't know that. Um, that's why they never strike. The president knows he's never going to let the railroad go on strike because it's too important to let them go on strike and they don't pay social security either. So a lot of people don't know that um, they pay in the railroad retirement, but I did that for a while. I ran the, um, the DC corridor from union station all the way up to Philly. And I loved it. I loved that job, but um, had to leave cause they were going to put me in a cornfield in the middle of nowhere in like Indiana. So I was like, ah, I can't do this. I'll see y'all later. But uh, railroad's a good job. If you, if you ever want a job, that that's a really good job for in logistics. Um, most people don't leave the railroad. And then after that, um, matter of fact, while I was at the railroad, there was a retired admiral, Admiral Joe Kilkenny. Um, he had retired and came to be the manager of the training center. And I was in the process of becoming a direct commission officer. Um, that's a uh, pipeline, a commissioning pipeline where, you know, some people go to OCS, which is officer candidate school, or some people go to ROTC in college to get their commissions. Uh, but direct commission officer program is from the Navy that go out to private sector to seek subject matter experts in their field to just come in and be officers, right? Like you don't need to teach them how to do their job because they're doing it in the private sector and you just got to teach them how to be, you know, military bearing and how to wear the uniform, things like that. So I told him, I said, Hey, sir, you know, I'm in the process for my DCO candidacy. Would you write me a recommendation? He said, sure. I didn't realize how big he was, you know, within the Navy as an admiral. And so it held a lot of weight. So uh, that got me in, in addition to my experience uh, in transportation. So I uh, got my commission in 2013. Um, that pipeline is, is uh, pretty extensive. It takes you as a reservist about two years just to get through all the training before they let you go and uh, deploy and, you know, put your skills to work. Um, and as a reservist, the best thing about it is 
you get to pick and choose your opportunities. Like no one's going to tell you, you got to go move to, you know, Japan or go here. You get an email and it says, hey, here are the opportunities. You want it or you don't want it. Right. Um, so that's how I've been able to tailor my career based on my, my passion. Right. So I was able to, like you mentioned before, go to Afghanistan. Right. And when I was in Afghanistan, you remember the movie War Dogs with uh, Jonah Hill? Yeah, it's been a while, but yeah, I do. So they were, I mean, when you talk about logistics and supply chain, that movie was about, you know, foreign military sales and them going through um, the military systems to procure contracts to deliver, you know, goods to the to the military. And I was like, that's a dope movie. That's a dope, you know, kind of concept. And literally a week after I saw that movie, there was a, a email announcement for a foreign military sales officer in Afghanistan. I was like, oh, man, that must be like war dogs. So, <laughs> So I signed up for it, you know, and having seen other movies like uh, Charlie Wilson's War and just, you know, being a big history and military buff, I was like, this is my chance to like go see, you know, the world and, you know, try my hand at it. And it ended up being a movie, man. Like it, it literally ended up being a movie. Um, was able to, well, in hindsight, you know, we're not there anymore. But at the time, you know, I was responsible for, uh, bringing Blackhawks, we did a $6.2 billion aviation capitalization, which just means we were doubling the size of the Afghan Air Force. Um, they had aging, you know, Russian uh, airframes that they couldn't use to fight the Taliban. So I was responsible for writing the country team assessment, which is approved by the ambassador, uh, to bring in UH-60s, which are Blackhawks, uh, to the Afghan Air Force, right? Uh, and again, not having any background in aviation at all, right? I get on country, I'm working for this army colonel, and he's like, I give him my resume, I'm like, hey, sir, you know, Lieutenant Mulling, I'm from Amazon, I do logistics, you're gonna put me in your log, Brent, so I can do ground transportation. He was like, nope, you're right. gonna go sit over there with the Air Force officers and you're gonna do acquisitions. And I'm like, sir, mm -hmm. look at my resume, this is what I do. I do mm -hmm. logistics and transportation, put me in the log branch. He was like, Lieutenant, sit your ass down over there with the Air Force officers and you're going to do acquisitions. So I was pissed. I mm -hmm. was pissed. But what I tell people is when you get an opportunity that stretches you outside of your comfort zone, take it because you're going to learn so much doing something different. Um, and I just had to apply that. I had to get over it. And I did very well. Um, and I did a lot. And so we were able to do some good work uh, with our Afghan partners at the time. And then... Uh, yeah, I won't go into the next part of that deployment because it has nothing to do with transportation yeah. or logistics. But um, that was my first deployment. I did so well. Um, I know most people, if, if you know about the military, uh, it was a four-star command. So that's the highest level of general that you have. So General John Nicholson was the commander of the United States Forces Afghanistan. And uh, I pretty much did a lot of good things for him and uh, Major General Fontes at the time, who was over um, combined sustainment transition command afghanistan so it's the sustainment and procurement branch that was out there at the time so i racked up a lot of awards and medals um just from what i was able to achieve and the results i delivered uh and when i got back that's what got me with the seal teams the guy i was working for uh mr tom Schoenbeck, he was a uh, army ses which is a civilian equivalent to a general um, he's, he transitioned from the army to the Navy. He's now the vice commander of, uh, 
Naval Special Warfare Command in San Diego. And when I came back, he was like, hey, you need a job? I was like, yes, sir. And so uh, that's what got me with the SEAL teams and, you know, supporting them with logistics for five years. So I was with SEAL Team 17 and SEAL Team 18. And that's just a different world. Like you talk about looking at movies and seeing all that stuff. It, it was <laughs> it was just it was it was very fulfilling um, to be able to do uh, my area of expertise and support those guys uh, in our missions. And then my second deployment, which happened in 2020 and 2021, I was the deputy director of logistics for uh, Marine Forces Special Operation Command. So that's the Marine equivalent to uh, the SEAL teams. And we were uh, out, you know, in the Middle East doing a lot of good stuff. Um, did a lot of good stuff in logistics in that one. Um, <laughs> can't even talk about it, but uh, very fulfilling. <laughs> very, very fulfilling, uh, which gets me to my current position, right? Like when you deliver results at that level uh, for for organizations like that, people see it, people notice, um, which got me to my current role. Like if you don't realize, like a, a being on the joint staff happens at the 06, like a colonel in the Army, Air Force, Marines, or a naval captain, which is an 06, that's the ranking of people who are working on the joint staff. They're very senior level officers. So for me as a lowly 03 to be working at that level, you know, supporting three stars and two stars, like that's, you know, it. I'm not supposed to be there for another 15 or 20 years uh, right. per my rank. So uh, it says a lot you know, based on the things I achieved um, to be there on the military side. Yes, sir. Oh, look, man, that's a that's a lot of good experience. And I, I do want to go into some more of the benefits that you've been exposed to as a result of your commissioning. Uh, I did want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor tonight, which is Exalted Innovations LLC, an organization that was founded on faith in 2020, uh, Exalted Innovation is providing safe and efficient 3PL services throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area and are currently expanding into New Jersey, Atlanta, and the Miami market. Uh, known for their superior same-day expedited shipping that comes at no additional cost. They specialize in a slew of things, but dry, cold, and frozen monthly warehouse storage, cross-docking, and consulting in the areas of e-commerce, sourcing, and procurement. I would tell you to reach out to them ASAP because Q4, they are running a promotion, you know, for customers who sign storage contracts of six months or longer. They're going to be applying a 5% credit for the first two months. So I tell you to check them out now so that you can really, really take advantage of that for Q4. Um, but Chris, my brother, thank you again for sharing that. That's a lot of good experience and a lot of it goes over my head in the sense of <laughs> you know, I understand the magnitude, but it's kind of surreal to me because all I know is the private world, the private sector, and the stories that I've heard might as well be just like a movie, just like you said at the very beginning. It's because it's such high-level, sophisticated, pinpoint, targeted, you know, logistics that is, is crazy to even think about outside of it being something for entertainment. So for you to say all these things, and this has just been your experience, is wild to me. And for the people 
who might be saying, all right, you've been doing these things, you got your commissioning. What type of financial incentives are there for people who might be 10, 15, 20 years into logistics in the private world, but they have affinity for being able to support the government? You know, is there a are there any perks financially to also do your commissioning if you were uh, approved to do so? So there's there's multiple financial benefits um, so to government work, right? So let's say you are an entrepreneur and you have your own transportation LLC, right? There's so many government contracts out there, uh, especially if you're a minority, uh, veteran, uh, woman uh, that has your own transportation business. There's a litany of contracts to support any type of government uh, work for all type of agencies. And that those can be very lucrative contracts. Even if you're a subcontractor on a large contract, it could be very uh, lucrative if you if you're able to you know execute on your your uh, contract appropriately. Uh, when it with regards to having a commission, um, since I came out of undergrad, it was just like two is way better than one, right? All right. Like, jokes about being Jamaican and having multiple jobs, but does it take a lot of time management and being able to uh, effectively juggle two careers at the same time? Yes, it does. But it's very rewarding because, again, I have simultaneous careers going at the same time. Um, I, I don't necessarily do my reserve duty for the money. Um, when you go on deployment and you're with a company that's great, like Amazon, that'll, you know, pay you the difference while you're deployed. So you're not losing money just because of your rank. Like those are really big pluses. Um, your benefits from having a great organization like Amazon and then having military benefits. It's, it, I, I have no complaints, which is why I continue to do it. Cause it makes sense. Right. Um, it's, it's an option. Cause some people get you know, like they want to serve, but they're like, ah, oh, I don't want to take a pay cut. Well, just join the reserves. Like it's, you know, one weekend a month, two weeks a year. Um, if you want to deploy great. Like if you don't have a lot going on within your family life and you just want to go and see the world or, you know, pick up another experience, you can do that at your leisure. Uh, but if you're not and you're like looking for promotion on the private sector side, and you're like really dialed in or it's peak season or whatever the case is. You know, you don't have to. You just do, you know, what you, you can, but it's at your leisure uh, and your choice to do. Um, but I wouldn't say that anyone does the military thing for the money. It's a, it's a pride of service. Um, it's a pride of, you know, patriotism. Um, and that that's more so why I do it. But from time to time, I will say, like... <laughs> When you're in a combat zone, you don't pay taxes. It's tax free. So both yeah. my deployments, you know, I'm coming back with, you know, enough money to buy houses each time. Right. Um, you can save a lot because you're not spending money right They're feeding you. You're not paying for, you know, your mortgage or your rent or whatever. You're getting BAH. Um, that's all incentives to save your money. By the time you get back, you know, you're you're slashed. I think after my first deployment, I. <laughs> I paid off my car, paid off my school loans, bought a house. Like, it doesn't seem like a lot when you just look at the base pay, but all that stuff, all the incentives and the uh, extra pay bonuses, like, they rack up. So, hazard uh, pay and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. All those things roll up and they, they start to kick in. You're like, wow, did I, am I really making $10,000 a month tax free? Like, <laughs> crazy. I don't make this at home. And You're so, right. it, 
certain colleagues of mine who are like serial deployers, like they stay deployed because it's people just don't know. Like it, it's a really if you're not in a combat zone, it's it's a really, a really good. If deal. you're not in a combat zone, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> not a combat zone. It, it's a, it's a pretty sweet deal uh, financially, um, and even when you retire, right? Like I, I'm working with people and more senior people in the Pentagon who are retired now. They're civilians or contractors, and they have their retirement pay, they have their disability pay, and and just so you get like I don't want to misspeak, but these are chunks of money that you get monthly on top of another career that you will work. So you have, you work, you did your 20, right? Then you get your disability. So those are two checks, separate checks that you're getting each month. And then you start another job, whether that's in the private sector or as a government civilian or a contractor, that's three streams of income right there. Like it's, it's crazy. Like it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one guy who uh, used to work with uh, in my first in the first few years of Amazon. He was a retired Marine uh, E nine, right? So, uh, Mr. Harvey, I'm gonna shout him out, Mr. Harvey, and he just had nothing phased him. Nothing phased him, no matter what was going on at the job. Nothing phased him because he was just getting so much money. He had the retirement check, <laughs> the disability check, and an Amazon check. Like, you can't beat that. There's nothing that can make you upset. With having, he was down there on the south side in like Henry County with this huge compound. Like Mr. Harvey had a nice, like he has to drive a golf cart around his compound. Like it's. <laughs> oh, nice. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I mean, it's just if you're thinking about it from a streams of income perspective, you can never go wrong with multiple streams of income. Invest in yourself, um, like I said, as an entrepreneur and get government contracts, or if you're just gonna work for someone else, make sure you're you're duplicating those streams of income. Right, right, right. So you got a recommendation from a retired admiral and that name, Hellweight, which allowed you to get through the program in addition to your own successes and experiences and all that kind of good stuff. For the person that doesn't have the success record, you know, that you've had in your professional career, nor the admiral to write the recommendation letter. Is it a much more challenging opportunity to get accepted into? Because when I think about the reserves, just from what I know, it seems doable. Like, uh, the per you know, people can, can do that. You know what I mean? I'm going to tell you something like a lot of people, cause you said something and people may think, well, I don't have the experience or I don't have the connections. I don't either. I'm going to tell you the job that I'm in right now, literally the job that I'm in right now, I Googled, I literally Googled the person who, uh, the deputy director of logistics at the joint staff, uh, Admiral English. He's now, uh, the N4L for the, um, Navy staff. And I just Googled him and I'm, I'm not racist. I'm just saying I'm a black guy. I saw another friendly black face. In a yeah. position hour. So I got his email and I just hit him up. I said, Hey, sir, uh, you got any openings on a joint staff? You know, most people are too afraid to approach someone to ask. You know, just ask the question. All they can do is say no. That's the worst. <laughs> he, was, he responded in emails like, Yep, I got an opening. And this is a position that's not advertised, right? Like the job that I'm in right now is not advertised. So just the fact that I had enough, you know, wherewithal to look it up send an email and ask a question 
opened up this world and this position for me for the next four years, right? Just from asking the question. If you don't ask, you never know where it can take you. So if you know, hey, I'm trying to do this thing and this person is a gatekeeper, gen up an email, reach out to them on LinkedIn, say, hey, I'm such and such, I'm interested, here's my background, or I'm looking to get more experience in this area. I mean, just reach out and all they can do is say no. And most people in those high level positions, they're there to give back and assist people to get to where they are. You'd be surprised at how um, uh, amicable they are and you know helpful and willing to get you to where you want to be uh, in your career. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask those gatekeepers to say, hey, I'm interested in this. Would you help me get there? Would you support me in my effort? But you still got to put the effort in, right? You can't um, just ask with no, you know, faith without works, right? You got to actually put the effort forth to, you know, get yourself through the door. But don't be afraid to ask. Right, right, right. And the funny thing is, man, uh, from you saying that, it made me think about the entrepreneur equivalent of people who are hitting, you know, million dollar companies, millionaires. They're willing to give you the game. They're definitely willing to give you the game. And now it's on you to actually implement what they're saying, mm-hmm. uh, but they, they're willing to give you the game. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly, man. Um, the worst thing somebody can say is no. And once you hear no a certain amount of times, it doesn't phase you anyway. But yeah, yeah, man. So look, what does the future, what does the ideal future hold for you? Like what roles do you see yourself in? Uh, what type of impact are you making in the in the game, whether it be transportation and logistics or just, you know, the world, the community as a whole? So for me, my my ideology is, you know, if you're going to do something, be the best at it. Right. Like you have a definite chief aim. Go for it. So, um, yes, I've been doing transportation logistics for 20 years, um, but I moved to D.C. because, you know, I went to school for political science and international affairs. I got to, you know, confirm my passion for that on the second half of that stint in Afghanistan, working in a presidential palace as a senior advisor uh, in the National Security Council, uh, working with the ambassador there, like, that's my passion. So moving to uh, D.C. to get more into public policy in that space, that'll come, right? Just from networking, that will come uh, in the next phase of my development. From the military side, you know, I'm I'm in where I'm in. So for the reserve side, you can't retire until you're 65 up. And you can decrease that up to six years of active service. So like what, you know, 59. Um, and in that time, you know, I want to make it as far as possible because why do it if you can't get to the top? Um, so for the military side, you know, that's on autopilot doing that. Um, but on the private sector side, like I, I love Amazon, right? Like it's just such a huge company. It's such a great culture. Like, I don't see myself going anywhere. I mean, for me, you know, flexing my entrepreneurial muscle, uh, taking my savings and investing in myself and, you know, increasing my streams of income with whatever uh, different, you know, vehicles that I can find. Um, that's that. That's pretty much it, man. Like, you just got a continuous personal improvement. Just find ways to keep yourself invigorated in what you do and just knock it out the park and be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, man. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I hear you there, man. We talked about some of the accolades, and I know that the direct commissioning was kind of like the catalyst for a lot of the accolades and awards and honors that you've been, you know, that you won or been bestowed. Um, When you think about it, logistically speaking, right, what do you feel most accomplished about when it comes to all of those things? I'm going to split it up in two, right? Because, again, in the private sector, you're focused on the bottom line of the company for the shareholders and your customers, right? Um, There's nothing better than having an idea, uh, planning it out, and then executing it to see it work on behalf of the customer, right? Um, Being a part of the formation of Amazon Transportation Services and it's scaling from non-existent and us paying UPS and FedEx to move our stuff uh, to building out a, a network, um, nationwide line haul network that's, you know, this is now what we're eight years in now. Um, that That's amazing to see it work. Like it's seamless. Like it's still improving every day, right? Like when we started, we thought we were going to have this huge organization with all this headcount but the technology solved for all that. So you have the relay app, which is, you know, enabling brokers. Like you don't even like it it made brokerage obsolete. Like the algorithm literally connects, you know, companies and drivers with, you know, the movers and the people who need things move, other than just, you know, Amazon stuff. So uh with three PLs and things of that nature. So it's it's crazy to see that, you know, in hindsight, and know you were part of the inception of it for the private sector side. But from the military side, um, my time in Afghanistan had to be the most profound because we were doing stuff on behalf of a nation of people, you know, who were fighting for, you know, although in hindsight, they didn't defeat the Taliban. But at the time, we were supporting them in a train, advise and assist to uh, enable themselves to, you know, defeat the Taliban and um, being able to do life cycle logistics, right? Like cradle to grave acquisitions, um, uh, equipping, um, sustaining, like the whole gamut of getting them the things they needed was like, okay, this isn't just to fill money in someone's pocket. This is for, you know, people's livelihoods in their lives like this is to keep people alive uh that was the work we did with them was was you know very impactful to me in my life uh even though you know it fell and the taliban took it over but um in terms of what i was able to achieve at that time on their behalf that will that will always you know hold a, a important part of of my career uh, what I was able to achieve there. Um, yes, sir. Yeah. I feel like that was a that was some good information right there, and I feel as though people can definitely take from what you've been able to do, um, you know, just seeing this as an opportunity to really stretch themselves, ourselves, even I've even considered it at a certain point in life, um, saying how can I uh, do multiple careers at one time? Um, so I feel like your experience and you sharing it here is going to inspire some folks, give people some game. Um, anything that you wanted to say before we closed out? 
No, nah, man, just thank you for having me. You know, uh, I appreciate you having me on to just share my experience with everyone. Um, and that's pretty much it, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, no doubt, brother. I'm extremely proud of everything that you've done. And uh, again, I'm just very grateful that you were able to join me here to talk about your career and your journey. So um, if there's anything I can do to help ever, please just holler at me. And uh, again, thank you, brother. All right, man. I appreciate it. All right. Have a blessing. You too.